It's time for football. Kevin De Bruyne! Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Ruslan. And this week, uh, because uh, Queen Elizabeth died, the there were no matches in the Premier League. They were all postponed. But we thought this would be a good opportunity, uh, you know, rest in peace, a uh, good opportunity though, nonetheless to to talk about the European leagues, the other leagues that we, sadly, we don't really give enough attention to. So uh, we have two bandits today who they know their stuff. Uh, we have Arvin Sidhu. Hi, everyone. It's always good to be here on a Monday. Great to have you here. And we have Asran Rosain. Hi, guys. Happy Monday, everyone. First of all, before we start, we're going to be doing uh, Bundesliga, La Liga in Spain. We're going to be doing uh, Serie A in Italy, Premier League, a bit of overview of that. And But we're going to start with Malaysian football, and we're going to end with Malaysian football, the FA Cup. But uh, we start with uh, Malaysian football. Asran, we talked about it on the show last week, but I really wanted to get your perspective because you are a fan of KL City. You presumably watched it on TV. Mohun Bagan won KL City 3. What did that mean to you? Oh, indeed I am, Cam. What an absolute fantastic result. What else can be said about it? It was a truly remarkable journey, literally, because initially with the uncertainty about the game being played due to FIFA's ruling on the Indian clubs, uh, we know that green light was obtained literally at the 11th hour, which caused the very last-minute travelling arrangement and visa approvals. So what was supposed to be a four-hour flight journey took the team 16 hours to arrive Ooh. in India. However, they played like experienced travellers eh, in the daunting Salt Lake Stadium of Mohun Bagan, which is uh, a very successful Indian club and very experienced in the AFC tournaments. In fact, uh, Mohun Bagan, they qualified a second in their league last, well, two years, two seasons ago. Uh, and they made it last year in the AFC, AFC interzonal semis. So they are experienced in these sort of tournaments. So we know that coach Bojan Hodak set up a very, very well-drilled unit with one of the heroes of the FC Cup, uh, second-choice keeper for KL, Azrigani, starting again. So as expected, Mohun Bagan had a majority of the possession, but our defence held up very, very well. Special mention, I would say, has to be given to the right-back Kamal Azizi, who had the unenviable task of marking uh, Mohun Bagan's dangerous attacking threat, which is the Indian national winger Liston Kolako. In fact, the back four did absolutely marvellous by limiting the threat, playing tight. And who else came up with a spectacular, spectacular goal? Our Capitao Paulo, uh, KL captain Paulo Josue himself, with a cracker of the goal. Uh, captain Paulo Josue is now top scorer in the competition at the very right page of 33, yeah, by the way. Uh, KL hmm. then absorbed all the pressure, which they did fantastically well, until they unfortunately conceded in the very last minute of normal time. Usually teams who concede in the very last minute have a mental meltdown, what more an underdog away side who played out of their skin, but not this KL side of Bojan Hodak. In injury time, KL managed to score not one, but two goals uh, through two of their substitutes, another Bojan masterstroke, of course. One through a set piece, an unlikely goal scorer, Fakro Ayman, and a third that I would say captured the grit of this KL side. Eh? When Romel Morales, uh, he chased down a defender clearance and finished with the plumb. Uh, that, that, that was yeah. a great goal. I, yeah, I, that was... I, I, lo- I love it when you when you steal the ball and uh, and score and it was a difficult distance and angle, but Asran, can I can I jump to though Please. the final in yes. Uzbekistan? Are yes. you going? And if so, uh, what, what what's KL City's uh, chances? 
Okay, so we're playing against uh, this team called Sok Diana Jizah. The thing is, I've been looking. Uh, they, they, they were the runners-up in the, the Uzbekistan League last year. G- they play in a place called Jizak, which is a bit of a far-fetched. So we are still trying to, uh, you know, arrange uh, transportation logistics. Let me see whether I can get a bit of help from the club itself. I would like to go, but let's see. Uh, let's you might see. go. You might go. I might go. Consider, because we've never been... I mean, I don't think none of us have ever been to Uzbekistan, have we? So it's an opportunity to go to Uzbekistan out of all places. Well, I know, I, I know Arvin, you were you were nodding your head when he mentioned the name of that club. No, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but I, I credit Asran. He should go. That would be such a story that we can tell. Exactly, exactly. It's a, uh, let me see. Let me see again. I, I'm still hoping that I can finalise uh, certain logistic details, but going to Uzbekistan would be an experience. You know? It's a first time for KL and it's first time for most of us. So, uh, well, uh, great times. And in fact, KL did not appear to have any jet lag because they also won yesterday's match against Pahang away, 2-0. So truly exciting times to be a Kelsey, part of the KLCT team or a KLCT okay. supporter. Okay, great. And uh, and a little later on, we'll be checking in uh, with Asran's other team, which he's very happy about because they're doing also so well, which is Liverpool. But that's that's for later. Highs and lows of football, eh? Uh, mean, <laughs> meanwhile, though, uh, let's, let's start with our journey around Europe with you, Arvin. Uh, let's go to Spain, to sunny Spain and... Uh, looking at the league table in Spain, it seems to be business as usual. It's uh, Real Madrid first, it's Barcelona second, and then the usual suspects, minus, I would say, Sevilla. But uh, Real Madrid, are they are they good? Yeah, they are. They're very good. I mean, you, you look at the, the, the fact that they and Barcelona are the only two left unbeaten teams in, in uh, La Liga this season. It's going to be... It's going to be much more riveting of a, of a watch this year compared to last season because Barcelona was in disarray last season. But they've come out this season and with all that has happened in the transfer window, they've really, really pushed Real at this early stage as well. The only blip in Barcelona season so far has been an initial 0-0 draw at the start of the start of the season. But other than that, they've been fantastic. Real have gone about doing what Real do. Um, at the game last night when, when, when they beat Mallorca 4-1, if you look at that game, that was a real test for Real because it was a test where Real don't have Karim Benzema for a period of three to four weeks. Can they function without Karim Benzema? And you look at some of the youngsters that Real have had and have had the opportunity to nurture and grow over the last couple of seasons. Vinny Jr., we know he scored in the Champions League final last season. Rodrigo came on and looked absolutely fantastic last night. Eden has a played well against Celtic and I did tell you guys that they would go over to Celtic Park and get a professional 2-0 but they did better they won 3-0 but one player I have to I have to say this and he played a huge part in the Champions League final as well and he's going to be a player that's going to be talked about for years to come Federico Valverde is an absolute beast of a midfielder uh, there was one point in Real Madrid's um, recent history where there was two midfielders that they had Marcos Lorente and Federico Valverde they let Lorente go to Atletico Madrid and a lot of fans said why have we done that the club kept faith in Federico Valverde and he plays he literally dies on the pitch every time he plays for that white shirt right back left back centre back right wing in the Champions League final and what a thunderbolt of a goal how how old is he Oh, he's very young. He's 22. So they've got all Vinny Jr., 21, Federico Valverde, 22, Rodrigo, 19, Kamavinga, young as well, Arena Tuchumani, 18 years old. So they've got this new batch of players. And the one thing Carlo Anstruti is doing different from last season, he's rotating. Last season, he got a lot of flack for not really rotating. This season, he knows he cannot progress 
and using the same players in and out. But watch out for Barcelona. Barcelona are doing great cuts as well. Well, I want to talk about Barcelona in a little bit more detail uh, after the break. But Asran, looking at the other teams in the league, um, I mentioned Sevilla just now. They are way down at 16th. I mean, they were the they were the big hope from just from last season. Uh, but Atletico Madrid are still there. Uh, are, are these is Atletico Madrid uh, in sixth uh, a potential uh, danger? Well, <laughs> Atleti, especially with the funny situation of the whole Antoine Griezmann saga, no, I think uh, they've done pretty all right. They didn't start off well, but um, you can see based on the last few results, even the Champions League, they've been grinding out results. Griezmann has been scoring, even though he's only been playing thirty minutes per game. Yeah, tell uh, us so- about tell us about that, Asran. What's what is that? So it's a it's a funny clause when. Um, uh, Barcelona loaned out Griezmann uh, to Atleti. Uh, one of the major clause of the uh, loan agreement is that if Atleti plays Griezmann more than 50% of the games, they are entitled to pay Barcelona about 40 million euros. So two things here. Barcelona really need the money. Atleti, Atleti doesn't have the money at all. So that's why uh, I think uh, Diego Simeone, the ingenious that he is, he came up with a proper plan of playing Griezmann. 30 minutes. You can, you definitely expect to see Griezmann on the 61st, 62nd minute of every game. And he and scores, though. He and scores. he scores. He scores. Even the Champions League, he scored the, mo- <laughs> the latest goal in uh, Champions League history uh, over midweek. So he's been scoring. So Atleti has been uh, basically getting Griezmann without having to pay the 40 million. I know that Barcelona now is trying to uh, sue Atleti in court about the legality of the clause itself. I think obviously on the the uh, whether because Griezmann he plays every single game, so whether every single game constitutes more than fifty percent or not, lah, rather than the actual mm-hmm. minutes that he plays. So they're going on the interpretation of that particular clause. But it's funny, uh, nevertheless, uh, it's something that's happened. But talking about Barcelona, just uh, honest, no, we're going to we're going to do Barcelona no, after the break. So don't worry, break, Astron, sorry, there's right, there's yes, going to yes. be Barcelona time. Let's yeah. let's take a break now, and let's let's come back immediately with uh, Barcelona here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine, and we're back on Just for Kicks with myself, Karim Ruslan. Arvin Sidhu and Azran uh, Roseanne. So uh, Barcelona, Arvin, you're a fan of Real Madrid. This is the uh, the the enemy, the old enemy. Azran's a fan of Barcelona, actually. But uh, do you know? I can't understand how Barcelona can be second. They have been devastated financially, and the Spanish authorities take financial fair play very seriously. How were they able to function? They have done something which we will talk about for windows to come. It's a short-term, huge win for them. Whether long-term it will benefit the club, we will only be able to judge that in a period of five to ten years. Activating economic levers of basically selling assets of the club, whether it's your production studios, whether it's your TV rights, to be able to get income into that club to make it a competitive team. So what they've done is... They basically sold off certain parts of the club to generate income to come into that club to be able to make the signings that Xavi has wanted. And you look at the window. Obviously, Chelsea spent the most in this window. But the amount of players that Barcelona got in, and you're talking about quality players, Robert Lewandowski, Rafinha, Frank Cassie, their fullback positions, they've changed. Both of them, Hector Bellerin and Marcos Alonso are being brought in. Centre-backs that they've got in as well, Andres Christensen and Jules Conde, obviously... Christensen on a free, Frank Cassie in the middle of the park. And they even had the nerve to actually want to get Bernardo Silva at that last part of the window. That's just, it's crazy. But I have to commend them because Juan Laporta has the ambition and he has the know-how to do it. At his first tenure at Barcelona, when he came in, 
they got rid of all the bad apples in that squad and they brought in young, refreshing players. If you remember Rafa Marquez, Deco, Ronaldinho, and you look at the success that Pep Guardiola had from then on. So for me, Juan Laporta has done fantastically well in a short term. And you and to summarize it, last season, their spending cap was negative. The latest figures of their spending cap, they're right behind Real Madrid. Real Madrid still lead in terms of how they can manage their squad in terms of salaries, bonuses and such. But because of the economic levers and selling off parts of your club, they're second now. So they can afford the signings. But so, they, yeah. they, they sold, they've sold it to themselves? I mean, to some... No, no, no. They've sold it to various third-party third companies. There's a couple of them which there are a little bit of doubts and a little bit of dodginess about them in terms of the relationship because a couple of... One of them was funded Juan Laporta's actual campaign to win the presidential election again. But short term, it's fantastic reading. Long term, we will know in a couple of years. Okay. So, Ashwin, let's talk about the uh, the team and the tactics. And is it the Barcelona sweeping, beautiful Barcelona of old? Or are they have they turned into, uh, I don't know, uh, Sam Allardyce? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, I think Xavi has um, instituted his own brand of football. I think, as Arvin mentioned, the only blip of Barcelona season so far is the first game of the season when they drew, even though they absolutely peppered the, the, the opposition goal with lots of various... I think they had more than 20 shots that game, Marvin, probably. Yeah, they yeah. Did. Yeah, exactly. uh, and since then, they've been scoring goals. Lewandowski is an absolutely proven goal scorer. At 33 years of age, he can still score uh, from the outside. First game in the Champions League and he scored a hat-trick. So, he scored a hat-trick in three different clubs. So, again, it's uh, you can you can never... I mean, even with age, he, he grows riper and sweeter with age, if I can say that. So, I think they've Xavi has gotten his players in. Uh, how they did it, as Arvin mentioned, uh, again, we, we can only see how sustainable it is in years to come but again if I can recall correctly I think Madrid once upon a time maybe 20 over years ago probably had when they had some financial difficulties they did some the same I think they sold off their training stadium to the Madrid City Council or something like that this was 30, 40, 30 years ago perhaps so I think this is something not new to, <laughs> to La Liga uh, as you mentioned Cam La Liga takes their financial fair play seriously but somehow how these clubs are able to circumvene it is um it's a masterstroke, I would say. Uh, but fair play to Barcelona. They're playing really good football. They're second in the league. I would say it's going to be to the wire between these two clubs in the La Liga this year. Yeah, Arvin, it's, it's between these two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You've had some re- renaissance with Manuel with Real Betis, uh, Unai Emery and Bellera. But other than that, these two will be far above Atletico to come in third. But Sevilla need to sort out the, the challenges that they're having at the back. So. All right. Okay, so you heard it here. Uh, breaking news. La Liga's going to be between Real Madrid and Barcelona. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> For the first time ever. Um, okay, well, let's move to Germany, where, um, well, things are also usually quite predictable there. It's usually Bayern Munich win and then who <laughs> Dortmund, etc. But uh, things are a bit different in the Bundesliga right now. We're not very far into the season because Team FC Union Berlin is at the top. It's number one. And it has a um, remarkable story. It's a very poor club. It is um, from the former East Germany. I think if you if you include RB Leipzig, which I guess you could do, it's um, the only team, I think, in the whole league from the former East Germany. Just a few years ago, literally like three years ago, the fans themselves had to turn up at the stadium to rebuild it themselves with their own hands, bringing cement, etc., and now they are top of the league. It's remarkable. It's like a, the, it's like a, it's beyond a Leicester story. It's it's almost like a, 
uh, Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest story. I, I don't know if they can last it. But uh, Asran, I, I mean, I will definitely want to talk about um, Bayern Munich in, in greater detail in a short while. But at the moment, the well, the league in Germany, I, I know Bayern always win, but it is quite competitive. It, it, it looks so. Uh, again, I mean, it's normally the saying goes what uh, football is a game of 90 minutes and finally Germany or Bayern win, right? Uh, but this time around, Bayern has conceded last-minute goals in a couple of games. Obviously, they've got the best squad, uh, enough to compete in Europe, and they proved it in midweek in the Champions League. But somehow, in the Bundesliga, they are conceding last-minute goals, and this is surprising. Again, I love the story of the Union, uh, as you mentioned, Cam. Small club, uh, now um, at the height of the Bundesliga, I'm sure they're having a nosebleed at this point of time. Can they sustain this? Uh, we hope, well, I don't see them winning it, but again, we don't know. Uh, we might see another Leicester story, but uh, even if they end the top four uh, qualifying for the Champions League, that's already a that, huge, be amazing. Very that would be that's amazing for this club. That's that'd be incredible. Hey, Arvin, um, Germany, uh, Bayern Munich to win. I don't know, but are there any other clubs out there, or indeed players, managers, really? Because they're going to be in England. We're going to have, I'd say, three of these Bundesliga managers will be in England by the end of the season. <laughs> uh, is there anything to look out for in Germany? you look at the perspective of what's happened at the start of the season, let's not take anything away. Obviously, we're not seeing the likes of Dortmund up front. You're not seeing the likes of Bayern. Bayern are right now third. But eventually, you would expect the order to come back into play. There are a couple of clubs that are punching above their weight. Besides Union Berlin, you've got SC Freiburg, who's doing fantastically well as well. And then you've got Cologne, who lost to Union Berlin on the on the weekend. And they've got a manager there, Mr. Brock Morantner, who for me is a really good character on the sideline, always with his traditional, very, very stylish type hats and then shouting at his players. That that's a that's a good thing as well. And and the Bundesliga has moved on from having really big names. Yes, you you look at Sadio Mane and you look at Leroy Sane in Bayern Munich. But you look at the fact that they've lost Lewandowski, they've lost Haaland. Every season, you would expect Dortmund to lose one of their big players. The next one that they are potentially going to lose is Jude Bellingham next season. Mm. But you've had youngsters that have come in. Jamal Musiala is doing exceptionally well at Bayern Munich. You've got Sheldon Bacarero over at Union Berlin, who's the top scorer right now. So it's it's a transition phase for, for Bundesliga. But I know we're going to talk about the 50 plus one rule in this shortly, mm. but I'm concerned that the Bundesliga is slowly falling behind uh, because of that role that's very noble, but has got its fragilities about it as well. Yeah, let's do that now. Asran, the, um, one of the great things about the Bundesliga is this 50 plus one thing, which uh, you two are going to tell me about more in more detail. But if you do watch it on TV, Bundesliga crowds, the stadiums are always packed. You cut to Serie A in Italy, the stadiums are half empty, and we're talking big name clubs. Yeah. What is the, the, the system? I, I think in Bundesliga, uh, you, I, I would say it's, uh, it arguably has the best crowd experience currently because even because of the various ruling that they have they are still very affordable it's very very affordable to go to games I think uh, uh, a couple of seasons ago I managed to catch the um, classicer as they call it nowadays uh, between Bayern and uh, Dortmund at something like 15 euros hmm. uh, that is unheard of in the Premier League or the Champions League so I think um, it's a bit of a power to the people so that creates a fantastic atmosphere in the Bundesliga. However, as uh, Arvin mentioned, some of this ruling might 
cause them uh, a bit of their uh, ability to fight uh, in on on a on a uh, continental basis on a European basis lah. But having said that, the number one club, the elite club, which is Bayern Munich, uh, still has the vast of resources. They still got a solid solid squad. I do see them going far in the uh, Champions League at least this season, and I'm sure they'll win the Bundesliga as well. Because if you look at statistics, they've scored the most goals and has the best. Um, uh, goal difference. The only thing is they are not completing or winning their games. They are conceding at the very last minute. So I probably you'll see Nagelsmann making a bit of a tweak here and there. And finally, they'll be once they are able to finish off their games, they will win um, uh, the Bundesliga by far. I'm sure of that. But maybe Arvin, if you would like to touch a bit on the competitiveness of the Bundesliga moving forward. Yeah, it's it's, it's a challenge because for me. Uh, it's great. What, what do you want to do in the Bundesliga? Do you want to retain youth talent? Do you want to develop for the German national team? That's great. But there's a reason why no Bundesliga club signed up to the European Super League. It's because they, it's completely against what they believe. But Uli Hones, who is someone who has always been a strong advocate that Bayern Munich will not pay a 80 million player or 100 million player, he has come on the weekend and said... Maybe the 50 plus one rule now is doing us more harm than good. It, it, it really depends on what, what the Bundesliga wants to do. Because we used to see back in the day where Dortmund used to be in Champions League finals. We used to see Bayern close to it right now. Right now, every season, they go further and further back. It's because they cannot compete with the investors and the state-run clubs that you see in the Man Cities and the PSGs. There's no way they can compete with them. So I think Bundesliga is great for the fan. Uh, and if that's what they want to do, then let's maintain that. But if they want to compete in Europe, I feel that some adjustments have to be made because it's not going to be possible. I, you know, it, I, it'd be tragic. It'd be tragic for me. Yeah. I think that if they if they got rid of that, because really, the I've never watched a match there, but from what I can see, the atmosphere looks astonishing. I want to ask a question of the two of you, which I've asked I've asked on on uh, on the show before. I'll ask it again. Uh, Matt Bellotti, uh, who used to be on this show, he pointed out once the thing about the Bundesliga is that the league is quite small. It's eighteen clubs. And one of the, 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 the interesting things about that is it makes it possible for a so-called big name to go down. And that makes the whole league structure more interesting. It is. I mean, the, the, the possibility of failure. And what do you think also? Because there is a lot of football going on and players get overworked. And also it makes it necessary, if you have a bigger league, to have a big squad and to spend that extra money. Asran, would you... Would you join me in petitioning to make the Premier League smaller? 18 clubs. Uh, I don't think so. I think the Premier League is super competitive as it is. Uh, I think as Arvin mentioned, the Bundesliga has to decide uh, how it wants to go forward. True, um, the fact that you've seen the likes of Hamburg, Schalke getting relegated in the recent seasons, that shows that anyone so far but Bayern it doesn't seem that Bayern will ever be relegated um, uh, can get relegated but um, yeah I, I, again the Premier no. League with 20 teams you can see as, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the Premier League even the 20th ranked team on a good day can beat the number one team on a bad day alright so we don't have us around what about you Arvin will you join me no, uh, no? I, I think it makes compelling viewing for, for the Bundesliga look at what we've talked about earlier Union Berlin and they are more fashionable uh, partners or, uh, or, or or rivals, Hertha Berlin, who last season survived on the last day in mm. the playoff, right? And now you've got Bayer Leverkusen, who's right there at the bottom. So for me, uh, it's great for Bundesliga, uh, but for the Premier League, no. I mean, the Premier League, the 20 teams are, 
are extremely, extremely competitive. Yeah. I can't even predict right now. You can predict one relegated team. I would, I wouldn't be pressed for you to ask me who the other two relegated teams. you two have failed me. Uh, <laughs> I will continue with my with my protest. Um, okay, uh, producer Daryl's face has popped up, which means we got to we got to move on to a break. But after the break, we're going to talk about Italy here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine, and we're back on Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Raslan, Arvin Sidhu, and Asran Rosane. And now we go to Italy, which Syria, which was when I was growing up, or at least through the nineteen eighties and the nineteen nineties, was the league in the world, and. I don't know if it is anymore. But uh, Asran, Napoli at the moment are at the top, um, as they were back in the 19... 90s, early 1990s, Maradona. Yeah, Maradona. Yeah. Um, people are talking about Napoli and the way they play as being a bit special. Uh, have you detected any Napoli ball? <laughs> yeah, I think Napoli was famous a couple of seasons ago under Sari, you know, or just Sari with Sari ball. But now I think Luciano Spalletti, uh, a journeyman, he's managed nearly every single big club in the Serie A, has turned uh, Napoli to what they are. Uh, in midweek, again, they absolutely dominated my beloved club Liverpool. Uh, again, it's a false, another false dawn for Liverpool. But back to Napoli, uh, they're playing really good football at this point of time. And again, I would like to touch, also connect this with the Bundesliga. Because a couple of seasons ago, the Bundesliga overtook the Serie A uh, as a better coefficient team, uh, a better coefficient league in terms of the UEFA ranking. But now, uh, with the number of um, Serie A clubs doing well in Europe as well, I think sooner or later we'll see them go climbing up the ladder again and perhaps mm-hmm. one day even overtaking, re-overtaking uh, Bundesliga in that sense. So, be- again, fair play now. You see Napoli uh, being up there, Milan doing very well. Um winning their games even they were down to 10 men over, uh, during the weekend with their best player being sent off unfortunately Rafael Leao and still they won uh, with a bit of a contested penalty at the end but still uh, good three points for Milan so uh, all boats well for uh, at Serie A at this point of time especially with Napoli Milan Inter Lazio uh, perhaps unfortunately Juve and Roma are not playing up to their full potential well let's let's talk about Juve Arvin um they won the league uh, eight or nine times in a row just just the other day, uh, it seems. And it's a kind of collapse, I think, really. Right now they're in eighth, and I probably deservedly so. Uh, what happened to Juve, and can they... Uh, yeah, what happened to Juve? Well, in the, in the words of Des Kokela, if he was on the show, he would be fuming at the at the bar decision that happened against Salernitana last night. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just what. Tell, you, tell us, tell us what happened. So, so you we were trailing two one. They were trailing two one right up to the last minute, and then Akadis Milik scores an equalizer for them, and he takes off his shirt and he celebrates. He gets sent off for that celebration first, which I think Juve would be fine with it because if it's a second yellow, you get sent off for taking off your shirt. That's fine. You still get a point. To compound the misery for UA after that, VAR checks that goal and says that it's not a goal. So they they, they lose that opportunity for that for that goal to be scored. Uh, but Juve, I've got a very good friend who's a Juve fan, and and they're in a in a WhatsApp group together. They just feel that uh, a change of management is badly needed at that club. Massimo Allegri uh, was great at his first tenure, but since he's come back. Uh, he's almost been termed almost a dinosaur in football because his methods are very, very old-fashioned. He's not getting the best of them. Um, when they had Ronaldo, it took a lot of their their budget of that club away because they had to focus it on one player. But since they've let him go, 
they've got players in and they've bought them in, but it still hasn't worked. The likes of Dennis Zakaria, that I eventually moved on to Chelsea so quickly as well. Uh, you look at the strike force that they have, it's not the most potent. Uh, you They've lost Paulo Dybala. That, that was a big one for them, losing Paulo Dybala to Roma on a free, never never worked for them because he was at one point the wonder kid and someone you build your team around. So Juve has let other teams pass them. Milan, Inter, Atlanta in second right now, Napoli in first. It all starts with top management. Allegri for me has to go at Juve or else we're going to continue seeing this. Yeah, you see that it's second time going back to a club never works out, right, Arvin? Yeah, right, yeah, it does. It never does. Does it never? I, I, I was thinking about that. It's like, but, but Zidane's got mystical powers around. Yeah, Zidane, okay. <laughs> Other than that, I struggle to think of anyone else. Also, with Zidane, uh, sorry, sorry, I mean, jump back to Spain for a second. Um, Zidane, you know, you such amazing players. Just send them out on the pitch, tell them to run around a bit, and they'll win. Yeah, probably that's <laughs> no? his mystical power, as I <laughs> mentioned. Yeah, that's all he does. <laughs> um, so so uh, I want to ask a, a more general question. I want you guys to see if you can um, persuade me one way or the other. Italian football is boring, question mark, discuss. It's slow. It is it is slower. And the, the players are older. I mean, the two of you look dumbstruck that I dare say something like that. I'm, I'm kind of used to the high octane of the English game. Am I being old-fashioned? Have I not given Italian football a good look recently? Um, you're both laughing at me now. I, I think that's a typical, again, true, the stereotypical thing to say uh, when those three the leagues, which is the Serie A, La Liga and the Premier League were, were at its heyday in the uh, 90s or early noughties, was that um, the La Liga had a lot of flair, the Premier League had a lot of running and the Serie A had the best tactics around. No, I think that was the, 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 the stereotypical thing to say. And obviously after that, the Serie A went through a bit of a doldrums with Juve winning again and again and the other clubs not being able to compete at all. Uh, but now if you look at the Serie A again, again, I, I, somehow the time in the doldrums that they had managed to regalvanize re a number of these um, lesser known teams that you see today. Uh, the likes of Atlanta, uh, they managed to 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 build their own identity. Um, Milan coming back, of course, um, and uh, I don't think it's as boring as you may you may <laughs> make it sound, Jam. Uh, it is quite interesting, especially with the fact that uh, yesterday's game uh, in point, uh, like Arvin mentioned, was chaotic since at Salernitana. Who would have heard of Salernitana a couple of seasons ago, no? And yet now we can see uh, Milik scoring. And again, the question is, should he have been sent off if the goal was <laughs> was disallowed? Because he wouldn't have celebrated if it wasn't a goal, right? So it's a, it's a unique proposition. Yeah. Okay, so all right, uh, Arvin? It's different. I think a lot of it, we see what we see on TV. We see the old infrastructure. We see the commentators that we're not used to. Like when you get all the excitement of the Premier League, you see the fireworks of the Premier League. It's what you see on TV that gives you that perception. But I don't think it's a boring league. I just think it's different. It's different to what fans want. If you want something tactical, you want something a little bit more on the thought process, the build-up, go for, for, for Serie A. You want something that's fast-paced, skills, all that, La Liga... And you want the power, but let's 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 not put it any other way. There's a reason why La Liga has been trumping the Premier League for many seasons. As great as the Premier League is, and I love the Premier League, but when you come to European competition, you look at Sevilla's domination in the Europa League, you look at Real Madrid's domination in the Champions League, you can have a fantastic league, but when you contest in a continental perspective, La Liga has been trumping the Premier League for many years now because, sure. yeah, it's just the quality of it. That's all. Mm -mm. Okay, uh, 
we have to talk about, I don't know, is it contractually obliged? I'm not sure. Jose Mourinho. Uh, he exists in Italy, therefore we must talk about him. Asran, uh, AS Roma did very well in Europe. Uh, not doing spectacularly well in uh, seventh. Not bad. Is he, I don't know. Uh, has he still got it? Yeah, I might be very biased here because I'm not a fan of Mourinho at all. I think you call him a winner, really, but I never enjoyed the way he won games from the past. As as uh, as a person or his tactics? As a person and his tactics both. Again, I didn't like the fact that he was... I mean, we remember the first time we remembered Mourinho because obviously when he won it at Porto, he was like a bit of an underdog, no? But the first time he really came to the spotlight was uh, during his Chelsea introductory press conference when he self-declared himself as a special one. So from the start, we knew that he was something. But again, having said that, he's such an interesting character. It's always great to see his press conferences or before. But somehow if you see it now, he's, I think his persona has mellowed down a bit. Uh, his tactics are dated. Uh, they did win last year in the uh, inaugural uh, conference league. And I think he got a tattoo out of that because he's, he is, again, he's self-proclaiming himself as the only man. Well, it's true though. He's won every <laughs> single European competition available <laughs> to yeah. him. So he got a tattoo of that. Uh, but again, he's, uh, his tactics are a bit dated, if you can see now. I mean, he's proven that in the past few stints he's had in, in Spurs, at United, and now at Roma. Uh, obviously, they are able to win the uh, occasional cup competition, but I don't see him really ever performing in uh, the, the Premier League. Uh, uh, La Liga, sorry. Uh, sorry, Serie A. Apologies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arvin, Jose Mourinho, thumbs up, thumbs down. He's a very interesting character that football needs. Uh, I agree with Astran that I don't see Jose Mourinho ever going to a big club ever again. But I think he's fine with that. I think he enjoys the less pressured environment of a place like Roma. But if you consider the squad that he's built at Roma, a lot of those players come to Roma because of Jose Mourinho. You look at what he's done with Tammy Abraham. He's done fantastically well with that striker. Chelsea could do with a Tammy Abraham right now. Nicola Zainola has, has developed so well. Wijnaldum, who's in the who is in a bad spot, bad state at PSG. He's brought him over. Paulo Dybala, I talked about earlier, he convinced Paulo Dybala to come over Andrea Bellotti, uh, Zaki Selic at, at right back. So for me, Jose Moreno is happy where he is right now. He he comes with occasional outbursts, but not like how he used to be. And besides that, Rome, that, that story of the, the tattoo, after he had won that cup, there was a there was a nice video of him in a, in a train with, with the Roma players. And he's just sitting down quietly and enjoying a very tasty Roma, Roman pizza, just enjoying his time. I think he's enjoying where he's at right now, but I agree, he's no longer going to be at that huge big club. I don't see that happening again. I think he's always in, he, he's enjoyed his life more in Italy than... Yeah, he, he, speak, he speaks very fondly of his time in, at, at Inter because he obviously mm. brought them the treble. It was a very pressurized environment at La Liga with Real Madrid. He had many falling outs with the players then. Mm. Uh, back to back to England, it was never going to work out with Tottenham. I mean, him and Daniel Levy, I never understood that marriage. Why would you do it? Uh, and Chelsea, okay, he was another example. Second time going back and winning something. So. Ah, you see? You see there yeah, is one. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Well, there's okay, another so, one, Kenny Dalglish. <laughs> okay, well, the okay, there you go. There you go. Of course. All right. So, um, of you, uh, I'm going to ask you then, who's going to who's going to win the league in Italy, Asran? Uh, for me, it's Milan. Uh, Stefano Pioli. Uh, he was when he was chosen as Milan manager. He wasn't really well lauded by the fans, uh, but I think at that point in time, the fans were just 
totally frustrated with how the club was being run because at that point unfortunately the club had parachuted a number of former players or club legends into the managerial hotspot without them having to spend or getting the necessary experience elsewhere uh, which is unfortunately it sort of tarnish their reputation or legacy with the club uh, the likes of people in Zaghi Clarence Seedorf um, all were given an opportunity to 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 manage Milan but um, yeah they couldn't do well because obviously they did not have the necessary experience or know how to do it it was a bit too early into their careers so when back to Stefano Polini when he was appointed a lot of Milan fans were asking Stefano who because he was never associated with Milan never played for Milan to start with and not the typical Milan type of manager but somehow he input his own identity he brought in a number of really good young players uh, especially on the left eh? Rafael Leao has proven himself to be probably arguably the Serie A's top player at this point of time and at left back he brought in um, um, uh, what do you call that Theo Hernandez uh, who was not really uh, burning it up at Real Madrid so he's done a number of good acquisitions and he put the team into playing really solid 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 football and even for example uh, Milan had their goalkeeper Gianluigi Donnarumma who was touted as the future captain, uh, who wanted a bit more money. Uh, Milan finally decided against that and he managed to recruit Mike Magnon, who is, I would say, one of the world's best keepers nowadays. So having heard, said all this, looking at how he plays his football without arguably superstars in his team and yet getting the result he wants, getting the way the team playing the way he wants. Uh, I see Milan, again, competing for the title this year. Uh, Napoli has done really well. Spalletti is experienced. So I would perhaps it's going to be between Napoli and Milan with Inter uh, running the other two uh, to the end. Um, yeah, we should have said, Asran is a fan of AC Milan, by the way. So the, you know, take, take all of that as you will. Um, Avin, who, who do you think? Yeah, I love the story of Milan last season. It really brought me back to the yesteryears of the of the early nineties and when they were winning the Champions League as well. Uh, great story, great great story. Uh, and Stefano Pelli has done really well. I I just somehow feel that that Inter squad is slightly a little bit better. So in my view, Inter potentially would be the favourites because Milan are depending on uh, an Oliver Giroud to remain fit. I mean, Anthony Rabic is now injured as Latani Ibrahimovic. They're only expecting him in January. Rafael Leo, for me, I agree with Astra. I think he could fit into any squad in the world. He's that good of a player. Uh, but in uh, Inter right now, when you have that Lukaku, Latoro Martinez centre-back as a strike force up front, and you've got Edin Jacko coming off the bench, there's a lot of goals in that team. So for me, Inter just edging it. But if Milan win it, it wouldn't surprise me either. Talking about all these European clubs, uh, I just get flashes of those sort of great moments, uh, those teams, be it the Barcelona, Stoichkov Barcelona, which is my favourite Barcelona, and, uh, or the the AC Milan with the Dutch. Uh, oh, ooh, some good teams there. Uh, okay, we move on. And we're going to go to England and then finally Malaysia in the next part here on Just For Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back on part four of Just For Kicks with Asran and Arvin. And now, uh, Asran, we're going to be... Uh, let's take this last chance to get an overview of what's been happening in the season so far um, in England, with, with, in the EPL. And I don't want to start immediately with your club, Crisis Club, by the way, trademark, Crisis Club, Liverpool. It's that actually I want to go to, to um, Chelsea. A lot has been uh, happening over at Chelsea. And uh, what is the situation there now? And uh, who's the manager? And what do we know about him? Exactly. I mean, what uh, I would say a ridiculous decision, but we expect nothing less of Chelsea. They've proven themselves that they are not hesitant to fire anybody. Eh? Uh, they're not willing to give anybody any time. So I was a bit surprised. Again, 
not surprised at the appointment of Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter, as we've spoken in the, in the weeks past, solid manager. I think Keish is a huge fan of Graham Potter. Uh, but um, I'm surprised at the fact that Graham Potter is willing to go to Chelsea. Perhaps it's his mm. first big chance, his breakthrough. But he knows he's not going to give be given a lot of time. Uh, they're expecting instant success. Uh, how they met, they got rid of Thomas Tuchel after winning the Champions League barely 18 months ago and playing decent football, I would say, uh, is uh, s- astonishing, really. So uh, this is a club that is not hesitant to fire any manager. So Graham Potter, you've been warned, but I expect him to do uh, decent, to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Arvin, I, actually, I, I said overview. I want to ask a question, a, a, a grander vision of the, the EPL, in that what has surprised me um, is the growing, the, the quality in that kind of middle section of the, the league table, who I think one of you said earlier that, you know, the bottom team, I think you, Arvin, the bottom team can beat the top team on, 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 a, on the right day. Um this is shaking things up, or are we still talking about the top six, the big six, sweeping the everything before them? I still feel the big four or the big six will be there about. It's just a matter of the configuration of where they fall into place. But <clears throat> you're right. The the, <clears throat> the the second and third level of the Premier League, the the, the the six to ten, the ten to fifteen, you're seeing you're seeing squads vastly improved, and it's really down to the money that's coming into the Premier League. You look at someone like Alexander Isak going over to over to Newcastle, a record signing. He could he was touted a couple of years ago to potentially play for the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona. You look at the good stuff that is, that's happening over at Brentford. Brighton, I feel, might slightly fall away now um, because of the, them losing such a great resource like Graham Potter. Uh, but the clubs that come up, Nottingham Forest, the amount of players that they have brought in and some of the players which are big name players as well. Um, so when you look at that, it's just down to the money that's coming into the Premier League. They have the clout. And it, it reminded me of the Rafinha deal when Leeds bought in. And I know I, I have to mention Leeds on my team. Yeah, 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 go, go ahead. Go on, go on. <laughs> but, but when Leeds bought Rafinha at that time from Rans, Rans was actually in the Champions League. But he was the clout of the Premier League was they were able to convince a player who was potentially going to play in the Champions League, in league, in France League 1, whatever you say, but to come and fight for a team that's battling relegation. That, for me, just summarises the financial strength that the Premier League has against these other leagues. Hasn't Nottingham Forest spent more money in the transfer market than any other club? No, Chelsea. 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 Chelsea, is it? Yeah. But still, Nottingham Forest are up there. I mean, yeah, up there in the top 10. That's, that's unheard of for a, for, for a promoter team. Yeah, and if I don't know financially, you're a Leeds United supporter. <laughs> That's uh, Bob, Bob will have a couple of things about his dodgy Greek owner if he was on his calls. Yeah, okay. Let's 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 talk about Crisis Club Liverpool. Um, they um, uh, they're not doing terribly well. Well, they're seventh uh, on nine points. I mean, they're not completely cut adrift, and um, it's not the end of the world. But at the same time, I don't know, uh, Asran, what's what? They look rather slow. Yeah, we totally haven't started well. A couple of false dawns. Uh, we saw uh, the preseason was an ideal. I think last year's exploits took a bit of to- its toll on, its, on our players, really on Liverpool's players. Uh, they played the most number of games last year uh, due to the fact that they qualified for every single final possible. Uh, won two, unfortunately, lost in the big one uh, in Paris in June. Uh, we didn't start off the preseason well, but yet 
in the uh, charity shield uh, came up with a good performance to win it against City. So we thought, okay, it's a bit of a good start for Liverpool. And then the first game of the season happened against Fulham. Uh, Liverpool really didn't come out of the races. Fulham deserved their point. In fact, they could have won. Uh, some, I, I suppose if you were a Fulham supporter, you would be disappointed not to get the full three points. Uh, and then draw again against Palace. So that's a bit of a, a alarm bells were ringing. And then somehow the game against Bournemouth, we thought, okay, finally Liverpool are back. This is the Liverpool that we know. Uh, the last minute win against Newcastle. True, the performance wasn't vintage, but at least the points is what matters, right? I mean, great teams win even though they're not playing well. So the last minute at at, uh, at home at Anfield against Newcastle sort of regalvanized the whole mentality monster uh, thing that we knew of Liverpool of the past but then after that the game against Everton was underwhelming Peppert Everton I mean Jordan Pickford had a blind of a game so that came a bit of a disappointment so we were hoping that the Champions League would give a bit of a a bit of a yeah, yeah. Effect. And- Ashwin, I can tell that all these things have just burnt into your your, your memory <laughs> but uh Arvin's got his hand up because Arvin is allowed to say the things that you can't you can't admit to. I, uh, love, I, I love how Arvin has taken us through the journey of, <laughs> and that's a true Liverpool fan because he remembers the moments. Yeah, one thing he quietly left out was when they lost to Man United. That was one thing that he that's just. True. I was, I was thinking there was a tenth one. I've <laughs> <laughs> got selective like, memory, by the way, Arvin. <laughs> that was. Yeah, I like how he sat under the table and didn't expect. Find it out, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Klopp. They, they, there's now some talk of the seven-year itch because seven years at Mines and then seven years at Dortmund. Now oh, really? I still think they'll be fine. They, I, I, for me, yeah, but, I, but I, Arvin, what does being fine mean now? They'll, they'll be top four. They'll be top four. They, they potentially could challenge a couple of finals. I don't think they'll go all the way in Europe like they did last season. I think there are better teams in Europe this season, but. They will be in top four and they'll be contesting to win trophies this season again. I'm still not taking that away from Liverpool. But versus Thomas Tuchel, who I know a lot of people are saying is it was not right, it was unwarranted. I honestly saw in the last couple of weeks, especially the game against Leeds, Thomas Tuchel started losing the dressing room. When you lose the dressing room, no owner is going to say, I'm going to get rid of the players. The easiest casualty is the manager. And let's keep in mind, Thomas Tuchel is not Todd Bully's man. He's never going to back. He's going to want to bring his own man in. That's why the American has done what he's done. I think it's very harsh, but I understand it. With Liverpool, you still see the players giving their all for Jürgen Klopp. But mm. it's, they, they need a refresher. I feel the Liverpool yeah. team needs a bad refresher. And I think this break might might do Liverpool a lot of good. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, yeah. yeah, now it's a bit of a week to for Klopp to get his players again, uh, starting with Ajax on on, on midweek. So hopefully, it's finally Liverpool season will start. Hopefully, yeah, because yeah, that's always what you want, isn't it? A bit of trouble. Hey, let's go play Ajax. <laughs> um, uh, let's. Uh, all right, Arvin, because um, I want to come back to Asram with uh, Malaysian football in a moment. Uh, but very quickly, Arvin, I'm going to ask you and you alone. Um, who's gonna who's gonna stay up? Who's gonna win? But who's gonna go down? Because I had Fulham down to go down. They're not gonna go down. That's uh, it's looking a bit uh, scary down the bottom. Yes, uh, for me the, the winners are gonna be Man City again. I, I just yeah. feel they 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 are more suited. They 
And for me, that would be the ultimate dynasty for Pep. If Pep wins the, the, the league and he wins the Champions League, I see him moving on. I really don't see what else he needs to do in the Premier League. Going down for me, uh, Bournemouth are down, in my opinion. They're going down. Um, Nottingham Forest, sorry, Bob. I, I just cannot see a club as great as a manager. Steve Cooper is. I cannot see how a club buys 18 to 20 players and tries to fit them into it. Uh, so for me, uh, Forest, uh, the second one to go down. The third one is 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 a scary yeah. one, and I isn't it? Isn't it? My, my team could be there, but yeah. out to the final <laughs> days. So. I'm, all, I'm not going to comment on the third one. So. <laughs> Do you think Leicester is going to bounce back from where they are now? Yeah, well, Leicester looking, is looking dodgy. Now. Leicester in big trouble for what's yeah. happening at the club. And, and don't be surprised we see a free fall with Brighton right now. What's going to happen? Adam Lallana is now appointed interim, but you would expect them to have someone a bit more experienced. Yeah, true. Okay, so uh, Asran, you're going you're gonna to round up this show now by uh, talking, telling us about the uh, Malaysian FA Cup final. Exactly. Okay, it was uh, uh, I think it happened over the weekend, uh, JDT against Tranganu. After KL's exploits in the AFC Cup this year, I think a lot of Tranganu fans were hoping at least to win, to produce a similar upset of what KL did last season in the Malaysia Cup final, because that would put at least Tranganu to the Asian competitions. Uh, Tranganu started well, um, but again, JDT really, really showed their masterclass. No? Um, uh, this particular player, Arif Ayman, who's at who's what, he's 20, I think. And last year, he was uh, the Malaysian League MVP, most valuable player, the youngest player ever to do so. He scored the first goal in I Again, I can't remember what I did at 20, but this guy at 20 is ripping it up in the local football scene, scoring in a, in a big cup final. So they were one up through Arif Ayman. They got a penalty, which they duly converted. 2-0 up. Uh, Trunganu gave them a scare uh, by scoring. Uh, but finally, JDT just sealed it up with a 3-1 win. So well-deserved winners. Uh, funnily enough, uh, JDT, it's only the second time JDT has won this particular competition. Because again, out of the three, between the league, the Malaysia Cup, FA Cup is not as, I would say, as, as, as big as the other two. Uh, but having won yesterday, in fact, I think, the Johor Sultan did uh, proclaim uh, a holiday in Johor yesterday so that showed how much they appreciated or, or loved the win uh, even though the FA Cup final uh, commiserations for Tranganu they did the best they could but JDT clearly is a step beyond the other teams in the in the uh, Malaysian League uh, it's good to see KL going this far in the um, uh, AFC tournaments because in the league uh, KL has done alright but um, I would see KL just ending up probably top 4 at best but Let's see in the FC Cup. Who knows? And again, I'm still after this. I'll probably plan my trip to Uzbekistan. And uh, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I do. I really hope you go. Please, please go. Um, obviously, you know, uh, just for kicks, uh, funds are uh, limitless, like the Saudi government. Um, and we would pay you, but it, it's just a, it's a moral issue. We just can't afford. We can't. We can't bring ourselves to do that. Um, so, uh, well, good luck with that. And, um, well, thank you so much, you two. I, it's been uh, a fascinating trip around uh, the leagues that we don't normally get to talk about. And uh, I hope you learned something. I certainly have. So, thank you so much, Arvind Sidhu. Thank you, guys. Great show today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. And Asran Rosin. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Arvind. It was enjoyable. Have a good week, guys. And, uh, uh, yep, so thank you. And thank you, listeners. Uh, Join us next time for another edition of Just for Kicks here on BFM 89.9.